Having trouble staffing up? You're not alone. Our industry is facing an unprecedented labor shortage, and tech will play a central role in solving that problem. Yelp Kiosk was built in 2018 for restaurants who couldn't afford to pay a dedicated host. In 2021, Yelp Kiosk is supporting restaurants that want to do more with less. By adding Kiosk, your host is no longer trapped behind the host stand, enabling them to assist in all front-of-house operations. Learn more about how Kiosk can help your restaurant at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash kiosk. Now here we go. Our approach often is to really try and be vocal and be transparent about the challenges that exist, both for the individuals we're feeding who are food insecure, as well as for the small businesses. And so we have heard some of that interest, but we have not seen concrete plans from the city to continue funding these opportunities and what that might look like through the rest of the year and years to come. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. What if we could create great businesses by doing good? The biggest hurdle I faced as a restaurateur is the unpredictability of sales week to week and month to month. I believe Jacob Bimman may have created the solution to not only that problem, but also how to feed the hungry at the same time. Today we're discussing the San Francisco New Deal, a charitable organization that's paying restaurants to feed the needy. Born out of the pandemic, Jacob and his team have managed to create a sustainable model that's helping both independent restaurants and those in need to survive these difficult times. Yeah, so I'd say singularly what enabled us to scale and grow so quickly as an organization was forming partnerships with individuals and organizations that have been doing this type of work in the city for years or decades. So certainly I would not suggest that what we're doing is radical in the sense that no one else is providing meals for food and secure residents. And I think mostly what we found, which is a little bit unique about our model, is the extent to which we're really working to build an ecosystem that connects small business owners, the city of San Francisco, and individuals in need of support. In March of 2020, at the onset of the pandemic, was when we launched this project. And one of the things that we found in some of our earliest conversations was that existing systems of food support in San Francisco were pushed beyond capacity even before the start of the pandemic. There wasn't kind of this ability to say, we know there's going to be an increased need for meals, therefore we will slot these newly food insecure individuals into the existing system. And so it certainly required larger systems of support than existed before the pandemic. But certainly there are many groups that have been doing work in this category for an incredibly long period of time. The first two partners that we worked with were the San Francisco African-American Faith-Based Coalition, which is a group led by Dr. Jonathan Butler and Veronica Shepard, and individuals who have a really acute understanding of the needs of some of the most hardest hit populations in San Francisco during the COVID-19 pandemic. And as we kind of think about what are the new opportunities that SF New Deal is working to create, one thing that we have been able to do, which historically has been quite challenging, is make city, state, and federally funded contracts available to small business owners. And I'll say Other than SF New Deal, there aren't many groups in San Francisco or elsewhere who really focused on that piece of our model. And so I think kind of at face value, feeding individuals who need meals and providing support to small businesses, many incredible groups doing work in that category. I think kind of the way that we are trying to bridge that and really work in partnership with those groups is really central to our approach. For those that don't know, can you explain what the SF New Deal is? Yeah, definitely. So SF New Deal is a new nonprofit, which launched in March of 2020. 
and we work to provide supportive services and financial opportunities to small businesses in San Francisco. And our first program, which we launched initially, works to pay restaurants to create meals for food and secure members of our community. In this model, we use a combination of city grants, contracts, and private funds to purchase meals in large quantities from restaurants across the city and distribute those meals to individuals from a variety of backgrounds. So individuals who are food insecure and living in supportive housing, homebound seniors, others with pre-existing conditions, and a variety of other challenges that have made kind of accessing food challenging during the pandemic. Currently, we operate four community feeding programs. The first, which are we're feeding individuals who have really chronic food needs, meaning individuals who have for years or decades relied upon their church or community center or the city for meals, who during COVID have seen an increase in kind of the support that they need. And in our other three programs, we're focusing a bit more closely kind of directly on what the impact of COVID has looked like. In one, that means we're feeding individuals living at hotels run by the city of San Francisco. In another, we're feeding homebound seniors. And in our third, we've launched a voucher program in San Francisco's Chinatown, providing meals for seniors and families living in SROs, single resident occupancy hotels with shared kitchens, which during COVID has not been a viable space. Across these four programs, we currently provide just over 50,000 meals per week in partnership with 200 participating restaurants. And talk to me about the founders. Who founded this organization? Yeah, so myself and Lenore Estrada are the co-founders of SF New Deal. Lenore is also the co-founder and owner of Three Babes Bake Shop, which is a pie business in San Francisco. And March 14th is Pie Day, which is not an especially big deal unless you own a bakery in San Francisco, in which case it's a very big deal. And a lot of her business goes to kind of the large tech cafeterias across the city. And early, even before the city had announced their lockdown, all of the orders for Pie Day had been canceled. So kind of in a 48-hour period, just over $100,000 in inventory that had already been made and already been created to be delivered was canceled from kind of the Facebook, Apple, Google types of companies. And so we really worked just at the scale of her business to say, one, how can we sell this product so that the individuals behind making it are able to retain access to their jobs and healthcare and benefits and everything associated with the stability of a full-time job? And also, how can we use these meals to feed what we know is going to be a growing number of food insecure residents of our community? In parallel with these conversations that Lenore and I began having just at the scale of Three Babes, a friend of Lenore's from college, Emmett Chiu, who's the CEO of Twitch, reached out and offered to pledge a million dollars to try to scale this to other businesses in, across the city. We had that conversation with Emmett on a Thursday and the following Monday, we were delivering meals. So really the goal from the beginning has been to work with urgency, both to provide meals for food insecure members of our community, but also to provide the financial relief to small businesses that was so vital in March of 2020 and continues to be so today. What were you doing before this? Yeah, so I knew Lenore from, uh, I used to work for her in high school and had kind of done a number of odd projects for her and things of the sort. I grew up in San Francisco and have a background working in a lot of restaurant kitchens. And as a kid, kind of really appreciated spending time in San Francisco's food community, which I think was very telling in early March of 2020. It was very evidently clear that people in food and hospitality are going to be among the hardest hit by the pandemic. And there were also the spaces that I'd say most quickly were thinking about how can we give back and kind of support the community at large. So I come kind of historically from a background doing a lot of that. I also had started operating at a community-focused event space in San Francisco's Soma District called 419 and really thinking about what are the opportunities to build relationships between groups of the city that had really 
struggled to connect for a long period of time. Pre-COVID, I'd say so many of the small business operators in San Francisco, and by virtue of just what it means to be a small business operator generally, really struggled in forming those partnerships outside of their business or outside of the food community. None of the restaurants that have participated in our programs before have ever been in a community feeding program that is funded by the city of San Francisco. But almost all of our restaurants have had a negative experience with the city, whether that means at the planning office or zoning or the health department. They had some experience in which dealing with the city sucked. And they said, like, great, the city is not a partner. Like, I don't want to deal with this. And a big challenge for us at the beginning was just figuring out how to form those partnerships between individuals, small businesses in the city, and really serving as a facilitator and mediator in that. And so certainly... I have no expert in running mass feeding programs. This is the first one that I have run. But I'd say what has enabled our whole team to be successful in building this is really coming from a hospitality background and approach. At this point, we have about 25 team members that are operating our four feeding programs. And across the board, we have teams who are really dedicated and care about the services that they provide. And I'd say kind of from the beginning, a huge relief in our programs is that the individuals responsible for making these meals are restaurant owners and operators, individuals who care deeply about the communities that they're in and that they're serving. And as a result, the quality of the services that we're able to provide exceed what is kind of common for most mass feeding programs. Do you think that this initiative is something that could have been done without the pandemic? Yeah, I think one of the things that we hope will last beyond COVID is the extent to which small businesses are viewed as kind of thought leaders and operators for the city of San Francisco and for cities generally. If you kind of look at how dollars have been spent over the last decade in San Francisco as they impact small businesses, the closest that small businesses have gotten in hospitality to having reliable revenue and support largely has come from tech. So big companies who are buying out their private dining rooms or restaurants for five, six, seven nights a week, and that dependable revenue has enabled them to scale their business or have really dependable purchasing or staffing or whatever it might be. And the only other agency or force strong enough and with enough spending power to command something like that is the government. I think so often, there hasn't been an accessible point for small businesses to enter those contracts. And when opportunities come available for the city, typically the way that process goes is that the city will release an RFP, a request for proposal from individuals who are able to operate these contracts. And very explicitly, the city says, we want small businesses to apply, we really want these opportunities to go back into the local economy but really nothing about how that process is structured enables that to happen. Not only are these documents like 75 to 100 pages long, they're very complicated documents. They have all of these qualifications to them that would make small businesses not even eligible for these opportunities. Things like minimum compensation or healthcare requirements. That means that small businesses who are working to kind of provide local opportunities are actually banned from even being eligible to receive these things. And I think it's worth flagging that many of these provisions to the RFP processes were designed to help businesses. So saying, we want if an individual receives this contract to ensure that team members at that restaurant or small business are paid fairly. But as a result, the impact has meant that no small businesses are even eligible to receive these contracts. And as a result, the types of companies that receive these opportunities are Cisco and Aramark. And the ones we applied to, like California Pizza Kitchen is applying to, it's kind of mega corporations that don't necessarily have a lot of alignment and interest with local challenges in San Francisco. And so thinking about could have this happened pre-COVID, the city is constantly spending money on so many services. And in our model, we have really focused on the front end on 
opportunities for restaurants. But small businesses of a variety of scale, I think, really have the opportunity to engage with the city. And I think there could have been, and I hope there will be more opportunities for the city to directly spend those dollars at local businesses and also kind of think about how that spending power goes beyond just providing direct service, but really builds kind of a thriving local ecosystem and economy. I think you've provided great context for like all of the red tape that is involved in people that are trying to do something really good. And then we flash back to March 16th. That's when the citywide shutdown was announced. And by March 30th, you guys were knocking out 20,000 meals per week. And I'm so curious, like, how did you scale up so quickly, especially considering the fact that this isn't your core competency, you didn't have a ton of experience in this going into it. And for those that don't know, you were 22 years old at the time. Yeah, so I'd say it was definitely very challenging for a few weeks and few months. We had a number of difficulty in thinking about, one, like, what are the logistics involved in what we're trying to do? And then two, it was early COVID, and it was very unclear, like, what is it even safe to be doing? And what are we allowed to be doing? Our first day of operation Lenore and I made 100 sandwiches that we delivered and kind of in the course of a 48 hour period of just talking to people about what we were doing and trying to think about how to scale, we had well over 100 restaurants reach out and ask to be a part of the program. And we had a wait list from individuals who knew that we were delivering meals that really quickly was growing. And so very quickly, our goal was to think about how can we build kind of a direct line between these restaurants and individuals who need these access to meals, and really start to serve as this facilitator. There was a lot of capacity for these restaurant operators who had zero orders otherwise. So kind of chefs were standing by ready to think about how can we support this and where can we dive in. And we had a lot of people who said, you know, we are ready for meals, we are depending on meals, and we have communities who are have no other resources other than ones that you may or may not be able to provide. And very quickly, our model was oriented around was centering individuals both on the meal recipient side, but also the restaurant side and thinking about how we could build and scale our model. And so very quickly, we kind of looped in others to help in this initiative. And we launched initially with a staff of what we called our team captains, but they were restaurant owners from across the city who were responsible for helping us scale our program with their networks. And a lot of what the scale came from at the beginning as well was forming those partnerships that I mentioned with individuals who already had such a depth of knowledge about what we were working to achieve. The individuals who have been doing this work to feed community members for decades can tell you very clearly where the support is needed. And we spent truly zero time trying to locate individuals who need access to meals. The people we were partnering with said, we have the names of these neighborhoods and the names of the individuals because they have been the most impacted individuals for many years. And so in March and April, a lot of our approach was just oriented around thinking of scaling as onboarding more restaurants and onboarding more meal recipients. But by virtue of how our model works, we really are focused on trying to provide sustained support for small businesses. And so that means in March of 2020, each restaurant we were onboarding into our program, we were making an $8,000 commitment to on a weekly basis for a minimum of 12 weeks, saying we don't expect that SF New Deal alone will be enough to keep your small business afloat. We hope it will be enough to close the gap. But regardless of what we're able to provide, we want to be really transparent about those expectations so that you can make the challenging choices you have to make as a business operator to stay afloat. By virtue of making those commitments in that way, it also meant that the million dollars that had been given by Emmett was committed very quickly. We had far more individuals who needed meals and far more restaurants that wanted meals than we had funding to support. And that's when we began looking for opportunities with the city to fund some of these programs. I also think one of the things that was quite exciting about 
March and April of 2020 is a lot of the challenges involved in working with the city were fast-tracked. So processes like getting contracts with the city or becoming an approved city vendor, which can usually be really challenging and difficult to orient. The city was kind of in the scramble phase to say, if you're able to provide services, provide those services. And so I think we were kind of a little bit of working with the right people, a little bit of right place, right time. And I think a lot of seeing the challenges and saying, like, how could you not do something? Like, if if we know there's people that can make the food, we know there's people who need these meals, make it happen, right? Like, find the individuals who can produce those meals. And so much of what we found from restaurants back then and still today is kind of that willingness to dive in and just to figure out kind of, this is truly like day in the life, right? For restaurant operators is like very chaotic ordering systems. Somewhat recently, we've been doing some auditing of our early weeks to make sure that kind of things are in order. And I found one of our spreadsheets from our first kind of couple weeks of ordering, which we launched this on Google Sheets, like certainly was not high tech in the slightest. And we used to have this color coding system of kind of each restaurant operator who was accessing the shared Google Sheet that was telling them what meals to make and when to make those meals and when to drop them off. And kind of over the course of the day, the expectation was like, highlight it in yellow if you're like kind of fucked and need some support and highlight it in green if you're like, super fucked and need a lot of support (laughs) and then like highlight it in black if like it's not going to happen and we got to make another plan but kind of in scrolling through the sheet the whole thing is colored and that it was like very chaotic in a lot of ways at the stage of the logistics but the portion that really from the beginning has been streamlined is the restaurant to meal recipient is really streamlined because in our model the individuals making those meals are these restaurant operators who really know how to serve their community and to make meals that will be valued and appreciated From a leadership perspective, though, I can't imagine as someone that has owned multiple businesses, you are belabored on a daily basis by the responsibility that you have to the people that you employ. And for me, it was depending on where we are in my career, anywhere between seven and 70 people at any given time. And like those people rely on me for their livelihoods. If I can't pay the rent at the restaurant, they can't pay their rent at home. And then there's you who's laying in bed at night, realizing that you're responsible for the meals of tens of thousands of people every single week in the middle of a global pandemic with very little prior experience. And I'm wondering, how did you manage? How did you drag yourself out of bed every day? And how did you manage to sleep at night? I'll say there like certainly was not much sleeping at night for the first two months, but the piece that I think really motivated Lenore and I on the front end is that she went through what you just described, these conversations with her team members in mid-March, where in kind of a 24-hour period, she let go 20 of her 26 staff members, which is such an unbelievably challenging thing to do. And they're individuals who are both a part of her community, but also individuals who are relying upon her for healthcare and who are losing access to their benefits at the onset of a global pandemic. Truly, in spending the dollars as quickly as we did, Our goal was to say, how can we stop other restaurant operators from having to go through these conversations? And to do that, as I'm sure you've experienced as being in these restaurant scenes, it's like, we need dollars in the door. It's like not that complicated, but we need checks to be written. And that's what was really valuable about the private funding is we had a million dollars in the bank to start writing these checks. I think our third week in operation, we were the largest prepared meal provider in San Francisco. And I think that was in a lot of ways disheartening. It was individuals who like didn't totally know what we were doing, who were making such a large volume of meal in partnerships with a lot of different groups. And I think it was exciting to be able to kind of meet that need. But it was also a little bit confusing of how the services we were being we were providing were not provided by the city of San Francisco. And I think 
San Francisco, like a lot of cities, really struggled in their first couple of months of COVID response, just thinking about what their leadership structure was going to look like and how projects were going to be managed. And dollars for the work that we were doing didn't become formally available by the city of San Francisco until May of 2020. And at that point, as a small business operator, there's no way you could have lasted. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect that we've seen between kind of the optics of what it means to be running a restaurant in San Francisco and the reality. And the margins are so incredibly small that truly waiting three weeks to figure out what the plan is, is like the staff already is let go and there's no plan. And so our urgency in working to provide these dollars was really to try and minimize as many opportunities for that to happen as possible. For a lot of our restaurants, there's kind of a great variation in the scale of capability and staffing size, which meant it was really hard for us to be in these conversations and say, well, some restaurants have 500 staff members and some restaurants have four staff members. And how are we going to build a model that is really working to accommodate a variety of scales of businesses? And thinking about equity in our model and opportunities that we're providing, particularly for women and minority-owned businesses that have less access to capital and don't necessarily have pre-existing relationships with vendors or with banks or with like VCs who are willing to fund them during this time was really important to us. But truly at the beginning, I'd say our approach was not in thinking about how can we turn this into a company and really think about scale, but was how can we provide meals today for people that we know need meals for dinner? Overwhelmingly, the meals that we were delivering for our first three months in operations were for individuals for whom the meal that we were providing was the only meal that they were eating that day. And so it was really challenging to know that to be the case and to also say, we're working with a really limited budget to think about the need that is going to be lasting beyond when our million dollars expired. And that is really what kind of kept driving us forward was thinking about how can we provide this sustained support that we know is going to be needed after March of 2020 or after June, kind of at every step along the way, thinking about where are the opportunities to actually look to the government to say, where can you step in and do this? And I think in a way that the city did well beginning in, in May of 2020, really looking to where were the systems and protocols already in place and where was there really an opportunity for the city to serve as a funder for these programs and provide revenue so that there was an opportunity for the small businesses to have ongoing support and for the individuals relying upon these meals to continue accessing them. Does this scale? Could you see it rolling out in other major cities? So I think from the very beginning, we've tried to be very transparent about what feels unique to San Francisco about our model and what is scalable. And I think the piece that feels most clearly scalable to me is the contracting for small businesses from city, state, and federally funded contracts. There's really no reason I see that small businesses should not be viewed as a priority in these opportunities, and that can scale in a lot of ways. In terms of kind of the restaurant ecosystem and feeding, it gets labeled in a lot of different ways, but community feeding is something that happens on an ongoing basis that the government is accustomed to funding, whether that's through meals to schools or in prisons or like all these kind of large contracts that the city currently has with vendors to provide large volumes of meals at incredibly low costs. And so for us, a challenge and kind of an ongoing challenge is that typically mass feeding is done at a price point between about 90 cents and $1.50 per meal, a price point that one, yields a product that is really not enjoyable and people don't want to eat, but two, that also makes it inaccessible for a small business owner in San Francisco to possibly be able to rationalize. It varies a little bit in our programs, but we pay on average just over $10 per meal that we're creating and serving at scale. And so I think there's also an opportunity to think about how in other cities there's an opportunity to reframe what costs are as they impact community feeding, impact small businesses. We've worked and tried to support 
the launching of SF New Deals in other cities as, as kind of their respective efforts and opportunities. And I think in thinking about our own opportunity to scale, what's been challenging is that we can only provide a fraction of support that is needed in the city. Currently, we still have well over 200 restaurants that are on our wait list, hoping to participate in our programs and really thinking about how can we build an ecosystem here that is able to accommodate the needs of our small businesses and of the individuals in RCV that need support. But truly, I think there's a lot of opportunities in cities elsewhere for the government to think about how they're meeting the needs of individuals who are food insecure and providing opportunities for small businesses. It was one of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you, because I understand why you have a wait list of 200 restaurants. The greatest hurdle that we experience as restaurant owners and operators is the inconsistency of income. And this could be a great way to create a sustainable business model moving forward while contributing to the communities that we're trying to serve anyway. On the city side, is there any interest in this long term in San Francisco and outside of San Francisco? Yeah. So I think kind of one of the challenges that the city is having right now and that we are working through in our own programs is thinking about what is unique about what we are doing as it pertains to COVID versus what is universally true. And I think if you look at the individuals who are receiving services, there's kind of a variety of backgrounds who are most impacted. But overwhelmingly, the individuals who've been hardest hit by the pandemic are individuals who have been food insecure for years or decades. And so in thinking about what lasting support might look like, I think it's important to acknowledge that a large scale vaccine rollout is not going to shift the reality for individuals who have received kind of lacking support from the city in a whole host of areas for years. And so different departments of the city are approaching this in different ways. But there's also the reality that most of these services are currently being funded by FEMA. And FEMA's funding is kind of not guaranteed in the same way that other funding sources might be. And so thinking about what is the opportunity to provide lasting support in San Francisco from the city or from the state of California is really a high priority for us. And to really vocalize in our programs, in March of 2021, we surveyed our participating restaurants. All but about four of them have interest in participating in a program like SF New Deal permanently. And the revenue that they've received from our programs has represented about 40% of their monthly revenue for the past year. So that really the opportunity to participate in our program is what has enabled them to focus on operating their small business. Our goal is not to force programs and operations that don't match the needs of the city. And so our approach often is to really try and be vocal and be transparent about the challenges that exist, both for the individuals we're feeding who are food insecure, as well as for the small businesses. And so we have heard some of that interest, but we have not seen concrete plans for the city to continue funding these opportunities and what that might look like through the rest of the year and years to come. Which leads to the next conversation. Organizations like this eventually have to get involved in advocacy because legislation is the only way to fix a broken system. And rather than trying to just perpetually navigate these troubled waters, it makes more sense to try and create legislation that meets the needs of both your organization and the way your organization chooses to interface with with the community. Have you guys started down that path? Yeah, so Vinny Ang joined us kind of a week after Lenore and I launched SF New Deal and has run our community efforts and our advocacy efforts at this point for over a year. And I think has been really explicit and vocal about the needs for the policy changes that you have vocalized. I think one of the things that I personally find very exciting about engaging with food as a topic and as a way of supporting our city is that it's inherently really intersectional. Meaning when we're feeding individuals who are food insecure, we have to be asking 
where do these people live and who do they live with and are they employed and do they have childcare and what does their family structure look like and what are all these resources that are needed? And that is where I think kind of the policy opportunity becomes really apparent, which is that the individuals that we're serving need more than just policy that guarantees them a meal. They need resources like sustained healthcare and affordable healthcare and affordable housing and all of these things that really make it possible to thrive in San Francisco that currently do not exist. And so both within the scope of our current programs, we try to be really vocal about what we're doing and and our approach in doing so, but also try to be really transparent that serving 50,000 meals this week does very little to prevent us from having to serve 50,000 meals next week. And it's not that compelling of a model, right? To continue serving individuals who have been chronically food insecure for an incredibly long period of time. The model that we are far more interested in is still providing immediate relief as it's needed, but on a pathway to enable individuals to have autonomy and dignity in the services that they provide and kind of address the root causes of what is making them food insecure. Certainly there are instances in which food insecurity services as an isolated challenge, but oftentimes it's really interwoven with other challenges that individuals are facing. And so we try to use both the relationships that we've formed with the city within the scope of our current contracts to vocalize the need from small businesses and for food insecure individuals, but also thinking about how in the future we can become more involved in those conversations. That sounds like a brand new deal. It's very, very (laughs) exciting. If folks want to help, how can they support SF New Deal? Yeah. So really, I think there's a few different ways both to support the work that we're doing directly here in San Francisco, but also more generally the work for individuals who are food insecure and for small businesses across the country. If you're interested in supporting SF New Deal directly, you can donate on our website, sfnewdeal.org, or if you're in San Francisco and want to volunteer, a lot of our deliveries and a call center that we operate is largely staffed by volunteers who are providing support on an ongoing basis. We also really encourage individuals, regardless of the communities that they're a part of, to go to their local elected officials and to ask them what they are doing to support food insecure individuals into small businesses in their neighborhoods. Truly, we believe that kind of these are priorities that are necessary for every thriving community and hope that local elected officials are able to answer. We hope that individuals will demand of themselves and their community and their elected officials to really provide direct support. I think a challenge that I have personally seen in San Francisco is that a lot of the things that so visibly are not working in San Francisco, and you you see it as visible homelessness, or you see it as a lack of support for individuals who need meals, or you see it as small businesses that are having their windows smashed on an ongoing basis, is that there isn't a belief that these challenges can be fixed. And our belief as a New Deal, and as I hope we've demonstrated through our programs, is that these are not inherently and intrinsically unsolvable things. They're challenges that require kind of the community to step up and solve them together. And so I would encourage anyone who's interested in working towards the end of an ecosystem of small businesses and community members supporting one another to really step up and to think about the opportunities they have to make an impact in their community. This is an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. You have a very unique perspective because you've been working with hundreds of restaurant owners and operators over the course of the last year plus. Do you have any advice? Do you have any words of encouragement based off your own experience over the last year? I'd say something that's been really inspiring in working with so many businesses is hearing about the collective challenges faced by businesses across the city from a variety of backgrounds and really the collective power that comes from those opportunities. And so I would encourage kind of business owners and and people in the industry to have that dialogue and to be candid about what is not working and what is needed. In our programs, one of the things that 
I'm really grateful for is that small business operators in San Francisco are really explicit about what is needed to operate a business. I think if you go to a small business operator and you say, what would make your business thrive? They can tell you pretty directly what is needed. And it's a lot of resources that I expect the city to be providing that are not being provided right now. And so I think it's really challenging and it's been an incredibly challenging year for so many people and for so many small business operators. But in those challenges, I think there's also a lot of opportunity to build a new community and to think about what are the ways that we collectively can demand of kind of ourselves and our elected officials, how we can be operating in a new and sustainable way. That's Jacob Binman. For more on the San Francisco New Deal, visit sfnewdeal.org. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.